everyone, and welcome to the Growth Tribe Podcast, where we're all about growing ourselves to create lives we effing love on our terms. I'm Ellen, and I'm a former biomedical researcher turned coach who fell in love with personal growth when it empowered me to transform my health, quit my PhD, travel the world, and start my own business. But don't get me wrong, I'm still figuring my shit out too, and I am so pumped to share what I'm learning along the way. We've got amazing interviews, big stories, tricks, and no bullshit action steps that we can all learn from. So with that, welcome to this episode of The Growth Tribe. Today's episode is brought to you by Transformational One-on-One Coaching. If you've never tried coaching before, this is the way to start. One-on-one coaching is perfect for that person who knows that they've done all they can on their own and needs something that's going to help them go to the next level. That's where one-on-one coaching can help. So if this sounds like something that you'd be into, head to coachellen.com slash one-on-one dash coaching. With that, let's get to the show. Oh, hey. (laughs) Hey, friends, and welcome back to the Growth Tribe podcast. Holy shit, am I pumped for you guys to hear from today's guest. Today, we have Tommy Baker on the podcast. And this dude, oh my God, he is legit. Tommy is a coach, an author, uh, a speaker, a podcaster, and his big thing is about helping people bring their dreams to life, to create lives that they just cannot wait to get out of bed for. He is the author of three amazing books, Unresolution, The 1% Rule, which was actually my first introduction to him, and his new book, The Leap of Your Life. He's all about helping people live up to their potential. And we dig into how you can do that today, how you can take that leap of your life, that leap into your bigger, better life. And we do it in so many different ways. We dig into, you know, how to change directions after starting a journey, you know, and some of the integrity and and fear that can come with the uncertainty of changing paths. We talk about that. We talk about naysayers along the path and along the process, how to deal with that. We talk about what's almost the myth of clarity. Do you really need as much clarity as you think you might need to pursue a path? We talk about, you know, purpose and passion and how so often we make such a huge deal about finding purpose and passion when maybe that's not how it works at all. Maybe purpose and passion find us. This is such an amazing conversation full of so many incredible nuggets, kernels of wisdom, amazing stories from Tommy's life. And he gives these incredible tips and exercises that I cannot wait to dig into and that I cannot wait for you guys to hear. If you are in a place of stuckness, questioning, uncertainty, tune in, listen to this from beginning to end. And of course, check out Tommy's book, The Leap of Your Life. I literally have it on my Kindle and I cannot wait to dig in. So with that, so pumped for you all to hear from today's episode and today's interview with the one and only Tommy Baker. Let's get into it. Tommy, welcome to the podcast. I'm so pumped to have you today. 
Uh, thank you so much for having me and I'm excited to be here and co-create some magic together. Yes, yes, of course. I love it. Co-create magic. That's exactly what's going to happen today. Um, so everybody got a bit of a picture of kind of all that you've done, which is a lot um, in our intro today. But just to kick things off, can you just kind of tell us who is Tommy Baker, like from more of the personal side? How deep you want to go here? No, that's a great question. <laughs> when um, were you born? No, just kidding. <laughs> yeah, no, I, so for me, I just, just to simplify it, I consider myself a, a real humble student of life um, and somebody who uh, is willing to ask, ask the questions. And I've, we all have these questions in life. But to me, my journey has been one of asking the questions, creating the space to not have all the answers, but to start exploring that and peeling back the layers. Um, and that's really what led me down various paths of personal growth and transformation. I had a 10 year quest to discover really who am I, why am I here? Um, it really peel back the layers of purpose and meaning and really what I want. And, and now what I get to do, because I feel so blessed is to help people do the same thing. So that's who I am. I'm a humble student. I'm excited to connect to people like you who have made bold decisions, who have gotten off the sidelines um, and who are constantly pushing against their emotional edge because that's what growth is mm -hmm. and who are becoming the example for so many other people out there who are going to look at you, who are going to look at me, who are going to listen to this podcast and be inspired to do the same. Yeah, I love that. I feel like I like how you say getting off the sidelines. I went to a conference lately where they were talking about it's the game of life and you've yes. got to play it. So I love that notion of getting off the sidelines, but like former competitive soccer players. So definitely love that. <laughs> So 10-year journey, though, how did that 10-year journey start for you? Yeah, it started with, with those two questions and, and also a, a couple key experiences. And I believe in life we have these, these inflection moments, these moments where um, sometimes they come during really ordinary moments, but we just get a download, we get a hit, we get a moment of clarity. So one of them for me was uh, living in Manhattan at a young age, but again, feeling like I don't, I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what I want. I feel pressured by my family to go down this financial services route. It's not what I want. I'm on a train headed into the city and um, to go to a place where I was interning where ultimately I got offered a, a position in the financial services industry, but I knew it wasn't for me. And I'm on that train. It's 2008. It's right after the financial crisis. And I just felt the heaviness of the people in the train. And there are mostly men in the train. They're in their 30s, 40s, 50s, and beyond, all going to the same place. But a lot of their wealth had just been taken away, really the thing that they traded all of their happiness and fulfillment for. Um, and I really saw myself on the wrong train of life in the moment, literally, and also figuratively, and doing something that I, I didn't want to do, but I felt pressured by my family and the people around me to do. And so in that moment, I just, I mean, I had one of those moments of clarity that we all do. It's like, this is the path that I'm going on and this is not my path. Um, and that started to unravel the, the process of, okay, I know what I don't want. What do I actually want? What am I going to give myself permission to declare to myself and others that I want? And that's what started that process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like giving, giving yourself permission, I feel like is huge. Cause I, I know for me, when I went down my path, I was getting my PhD in microbiology and I was just like, I should stick with this. It was almost like a question of integrity. Like if I change my mind about what I want, does that still mean I have integrity? Like, did you find yourself running up against that question? Absolutely. And, and we'll have so much questioning that is really just this fear mechanism of us really brushing up against our emotional edges. And one of the hardest things to do is to just what, to get honest, mm -hmm. 
first with ourselves, like that is so difficult to just get honest, to, to like shut off from the noise of life and check in with ourselves and say, Hey, are we on the right path? Mm-hmm. And some of, one of the reasons that we don't get honest is because if we really get honest and truthful, there's going to be some uncomfortable pain in there. Possibly there's going to be a, a transformation that we have to do. So it's much easier to just avoid that. So for me, it definitely was that it was mm-hmm. like, okay, I had set out and I've always considered myself someone who's, you know, achievement is, is really easy for me in a sense that I'm ambitious, probably much like you, mm-hmm. that I could succeed in, in multiple things. But again, if I was going to succeed in something at the expense of my fulfillment, well, that's not success at all to me anymore. And so mm-hmm. um, we're going to have to brush up against, you know, these, these emotional barriers that we create. And one of those might be, hey, you know, well, this is, this is the path that, that I'm on right now, or I've already spent four years in this path. How could I change right now? Or I'm going to be out of integrity or who's going to think or my parents and stuff like that. And it's like, what do we really want? Let's get honest with ourselves first. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And I feel like it starts with realizing what you don't want. Like, I feel like some people think that that's a bad thing to start at that point. But I feel like we all start at what we don't want. Like there's probably some negative experience or negative emotion that's motivating us starting to figure out what we do want. So did you have clarity when you originally had that, that inclination of what you don't want? Like, did you have any concept of, okay, how can I change directions now? Yeah. And I love that. I love what you said there because, um, it's so true. It's so true. A lot of people think that they have to have every little step in detail of their, of what they want from day one and getting there actually becomes a feedback mechanism for us not to actually do those things. Um, so all I always yeah. say, I always say we just need a little bit of clarity. Yeah. We need a little bit of clarity. That's it. And for me, so I knew what I didn't want. And then I just started to pull at some of the strings. Like, what am I, what am I spending most of my time on? Where am I, if, if I, if I had a free day, what am I doing? You know? And so I say, you know, our purpose and passion and things like that. When we pull at the strings of our curiosity, they start to show up. And that's all I started to do with no pressure. Because how, how often in, in this space that we're in, do we put um, a lot of pressure on this purpose? You know, I remember being- Yeah, in find your passion. Yeah, right? Yeah. You have to discover it. It's going to take so much work. And it's like, what if we just allow it to come up? What if we don't put pressure on it and we just organically allow it to come up? And when we do that, it, guess what? It's going gonna, it's gonna to come up. There are things right now, somebody listening, like you're, something that you're interested in, something that you're better than the average person at, something that your friends come to you for, something that you do automatically that nobody has to wake you up. You don't have to set alarms for nobody has to motivate you. Let's pull on that a little bit. I love that. Yeah. I always say chase enthusiasm. Like if there is something that you genuinely look forward to going to do, like I am a nerdy human and I genuinely look forward to, to reading sometimes PubMed articles, like, but you gotta, you gotta go with that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I can't shake my inner scientist. It will always be with you. You gotta follow that, that enthusiasm. So when you started to follow your enthusiasm, where did that take you? The first place for me was just uh, physical transformation and helping, you know, for me it was, that was, uh, physicality has always been like a quest to get to know who I am. It was more of a spiritual quest, but just that, that desire to um, help myself physically because I, you know, Maslow's hierarchy, I just believe that physical foundation is so important to get to the other levels. Um, But within that, you know, seeking expertise in that and getting really good at that and then ultimately teaching people on that. And so that led me to open up my first gym and then my second gym and really build an awesome thriving business mm-hmm. 
really doing something that I, that I wanted. And, you know, when I first told people like my parents or people around me, you know, cause I'd gotten a job offer at the time and I said, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to start this gym. Yeah. You go from financial services to being like, now I'm going to open a gym. <laughs> like how did, how did the people in your life respond to that? Well, my parents were like, you, you're going to be a personal trainer. Is that what you're mm-hmm. saying? Um, my girlfriend at the time said, yeah, that's probably never going to happen. You know, I had a lot of, I had a lot of negative feedback come back, but yeah when you don't have the right tribe and, you know, obviously someone like my parents, like they, they had my best interest in mind based on, on their perception. And now they absolutely love what I do. But early on, when you're not completely aligned with the right tribe, you're going to get some pushback. Mm-hmm. Right. And to me, if you are thinking bold and big enough and it's really important to you, you actually should get some pushback mm-hmm. and that's going to help you. That's going to help you ask some tough questions for yourself. You know, do I really want this? Why do I want this? Am I willing to endure? Am I willing to last in this for a really long time after the high of starting has worn out? Um, so that helped me get really clear and mm-hmm. then also start to find my new tribe for people are going to be like, that's awesome, man. How can I support you? What do you need for me? Et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. I think that's so crucial because I feel like so many people here, well, if people aren't supporting you outright, then you need to just cut them from your life. And obviously when it's family, we cannot do that. Like sometimes it's even yeah. good friends. And I love that you said like they have your best interests at heart. Like Absolutely. they're trying to protect you. They are. I actually got accused of uh, wanting to surround myself with yes people. When I made the decision to leave graduate school and leave my PhD, I got one of my very good friends was like, you just want yes people in your life. Admittedly, we're not very close anymore. <laughs> um, but like, no, I don't want yes people in my life because my parents, like they weren't super into it. Like I was leaving my PhD to be a coach. It was kind of the same position that you were in of you're yes. really going to change directions to do that. Like they were scared for me and you know, I'm still building the business. So there's still, you know, there's still some insecurity from their perspective, but they get the passion now and they're starting yes. to get on board. Like you want people that are going to challenge you and not let you haphazardly go down these new paths. Absolutely. And if they're the right people, they're going to come around anyways. Mm-hmm. Because ultimately, if they're the right people, they want to see us doing something that fulfills us. They want to see us in our best light. And mm-hmm. also, you know, sometimes early on, you know, we don't really have the proof to really, to, to really show people what our, like they, they can't see our vision as clearly as we can. So how could we expect them to be on the same wavelength. So don't, don't treat that as like, they're trying to bring you down. Just get really centered and grounded, tap into your vision, try to communicate that to them in a way that makes sense. But then, then it's time to start bringing, to create that progress and start yeah. taking action and, and take, make courageous decisions. And then proof starts coming in and they're like, wow, wow, that's, that's, that's happening. Let's talk about that. And then you actually start enrolling people into your life. Some of my greatest, like, I don't know, quote unquote fans or advocates there are people who like, they followed me in high school. They knew me back then. They started to see for me to go on this whole journey. They were like, dude, that sounds crazy. What are you doing? This is lame, whatever. And now they come back and they're like, dude, I can't stop watching your content. Mm-hmm. And I love that because they've seen literally the whole journey across. And that to mm-hmm. me is very powerful. So this whole just like cut out anyone who doesn't agree. That's not good. We we need challenge. We need to be pushed. I want to see how bad do how bad do I want it? Even if mm-hmm. there's naysayers, how bad do I actually want it? Is there something in there that I can learn from? And that's when we really get in a powerful position. 
a thousand percent, like everything that you just <laughs> said right there. Well, cause I feel, yeah, I, I, and I love the notion that some of your best advocates are the people who've seen the entire picture. Yeah. Like I, I love that notion and we will face resistance on whatever path we go down. Like I've started to realize that some of the resistance is starting to be a bit of a hallmark for me of, okay, I'm on the right path. Like even resistance from, from me and my own mindset, you know, if I'm resisting something that's starting to be an indicator too. So I feel like if you get that early on from some of the people in your life, maybe that's not a bad thing. That's going to kind of build up that resilience that you're probably going to need to go after the big vision anyway. And you're absolutely right because we're going to face that resistance really just being frank on a daily basis. Yes. Right. We are, we're going to face it in different ways. And as we grow and expand, guess what? It's not going to go away. It's just going to change and transform. Our capacity increases, but the resistance still shows up in other ways. I was just giving a talk at a mastermind. I was talking about um, fear and how fear will just transform to our new level of capacity. So I gave the example of Elizabeth, Elizabeth Gilbert. She's an author. She wrote the amazing book, E pray love. It blew up 12 million copies. So her fear before that was, am I ever going to make it? Her fear after that was, is my best work behind me? Mm -hmm. Still fear, still still the same exact feeling of fear. It just transformed. So I always say we got to get comfortable with fear. It's not going to go away. As we grow and expand, it's going to find new ways to slide in. But that's not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. That means that we're going to grow. That means that we are growing. That means that we're we're facing fear head on and actually using it as a tool to move forward instead of stand back. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that so much. And I, you know, what I like about that is I always hear people say, you know, be fearless. And I don't like that. I've always kind of been like, "Eh, is that really practical to think from the perspective of being fearless, absent of fear? I don't agree with that at all. It's always going to show up. Absolutely. I say, I say courage is literally being drenched in fear, paralyzed by fear, but then choosing deep within to access something that we didn't know we had and taking the next step anyways. Yeah. And the next step after that. And the next step after that. Right. And that's, that's the definition of curse. I completely agree. Fearlessness. Like if you have zero fear about your goals and your desires, here's the truth. They're, you're not thinking big enough. They're not that important. Yes. To you. Something is, something is out of alignment. Yeah. You're probably on a very predictable path and it's not yours. Like to be honest, in, in the, when I was on the path that wasn't mine, I didn't have like a lot of fear. Obviously, I started to recognize the awareness of a fear of like regret and I don't want to be here, but let's shove that aside for a second. I wasn't, you know, when we're in a comfortable state, mm-hmm. you know, I like to separate life into three phases, survival, comfort, and thriving. When we're in a comfortable state, there's not a lot of fear because there's not a lot of challenge because there's nothing on the horizon that's pulling us. There's no nothing that's really inspiring us to move forward. And so again, if we're not constantly facing some type of fear, some type of resistance, something's missing. Something's missing. Oh God. Yes. A thousand percent. So like in, in your experience, so you open your gym, you were, you were doing that, you were following that passion of health and fitness. So what kind of obstacles did you start to run into there? Like, was it a, a fearless thing? Were you just not challenging yourself enough? Yeah. You know, one of the biggest obstacles was like, okay, I had the passion, I had expertise, I had enthusiasm, but I had, I hadn't acquired a bunch of other skill sets that were going to help me on that journey. Mm -hmm. And so getting really uncomfortable to acquire those skill sets. So again, I always tell people we got to have passion. We got to have meaning. We got to have purpose. We got to have all of that stuff, enthusiasm, but we also have to marry in skills 
that are going to allow us to take those things and really showcase them to the marketplace, to the people that we want to impact, et cetera, et cetera. So to me, that whole thing was such a blessing, even though it was hard, but mm-hmm. to really sharpen up all of my skill sets, my ability to communicate, my ability to write copy, my ability to, as a writer, just to write content that connects, my ability to market, my ability to influence, like all of these things that I was very raw and frankly, just really bad at, to face them head on and start to get really, really just become the student of them and mm-hmm. understand that our skill sets are going to take the, the things that are important to us and really magnify and amplify them to the marketplace. So I always say, it's not enough to have passion. That's great that you're, you got passion. That's great. You're enthusiastic about something. What are some skill sets that are going to, that you can marry with that passion to really grow and expand and really create the in, income and the impact mm-hmm. that we're here for? Mm-hmm. Gosh, you're listing off all of those skills. And I'm just sitting here thinking, everybody needs to open a business because those are just like important life skills. I know, right? <laughs> like, the ability <laughs> to communicate, to connect with people. Like, yeah, <laughs> just kind of the way my Absolutely. brain went. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so you've got this this uh, gym that you've opened, multiple gyms that you opened. You learned all of these skills. You were heading down this path. What happened next? Again, another, another one of these inflection periods, and this was, this was not five years down the line. So I was doing the thing that I had wanted to do, and I told everybody I was going to do it, and I was, I was, frankly, fulfilled on purpose until I wasn't as much anymore. And then I had to, again, start asking some tough questions. Um, so ultimately, that led me to you know, being, in again, back in New York, uh, in Manhattan, on a New Year's Eve night, and I had a moment of massive breakthrough and massive clarity. So I'm like at a dinner table, it's New Year's Eve. I needed space literally and figuratively. So I left the restaurant and I just started walking. I came across this open field and I said, this is not my path anymore. It really served me for the last five years, but it's not my path anymore. Um, my, my deep rooted interest, my curiosity, the things that lit me up had really transformed through, you know, through this process. And so that moment, I just got radically clear and I closed my eyes and I said, okay, five years down the line, take myself there, like really intentionally. And I, I, anybody listening, this is such a great tool for you to get clear. Do it with a lot of intention, not just like quickly, but like close your eyes. If there's something that you need to decide on, or if you're on a path that you know is not yours, take yourself five years down the line. How does that feel? How do you walk into a room? How do you look at yourself in the mirror? What is the internal self-talk? Really go deep on that. And frankly, I didn't like what I saw. Um, and at that point I had been, it's, you know, it's, it's easy to tell people when things aren't working, when it's obvious things aren't working, but you know, this was what I said I wanted. And we had experienced, you know, a decent level of success and I had a staff of 12 people. So I had a lot of responsibility with this, but on that night I said, this has to change and I have to move on. The next evolution of me is not in this space and I got to move on. And so again, I had a moment of clarity. I pulled out my iPhone and I set a vision. And uh, I didn't know how it was going to happen. I had no blueprint. I had no seven-step system. I just signed a big lease. Again, I had all these employees. But it didn't matter. Your desires, your dreams, they shouldn't make sense. Mm-hmm. They shouldn't always make sense. There's moments where your, your logical mind is going to be like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Um, but again, that created the transformation that led me to where I am today. Mm-hmm. Which really in a much more, um, in, in, a, in a, you know, creating coaching experiences, doing live events, speaking, writing books. Um, but I needed to go through that process to acquire all of those skill sets 
and then ultimately get clear about what my next step was. Mm -hmm. I have to say, this is probably my favorite part of your story is that you found a a passion, a quote unquote passion. You followed that passion and it still ended up being wrong because one of my biggest fears when I started going into coaching was what if I changed my mind again? Like how how will that reflect on me? And it paralyzed me for like the first two years I was even considering doing this. And yeah, I was in the middle of graduate school when I was kind of dealing with this, but I was so scared of changing my mind again and how that would reflect on me and how I would feel about myself. That just the pure notion that you experienced that exact same thing resonated with me so much. So absolutely. And it's, again, it's again, getting honest with myself about that was really hard. Cause like, and it's very nuanced, you know, sometimes like this had been five years. And, and when we, when we, you know, we're going to evolve as people, we're going to evolve as, as business people, we're going to evolve with creators, anything that we do. So it's very nuanced. We have to have a high level of self-awareness, mm-hmm. you know, cause sometimes people will make big pivots and they'll do it for the wrong reasons. But deep down when you've built that self-awareness and that relationship with yourself, like, you know, like we know. And so I knew that, Hey, could I stay on this path and be 75% fulfilled? It's likely, but that last 25% would start to eat at my soul. Mm-hmm. And only I would know, really. And I didn't want to look back five years down the line and say, you know what? I had that moment of clarity. I knew I had to change. I knew something had to change. In the book, I call it, you know, we have our purpose, but then we also have the vehicle of delivery of that purpose. And the vehicle of delivery of the purpose is an ongoing evolution. Mm-hmm. My vehicle early on was through physical transformation, even though so much was, you know, between the ears. But after that, I had just outgrown that vehicle of delivery. Mm-hmm. Like, did the purpose change so much? I mean, a lot of the conversations that I'm having today are very similar, just different contexts. But again, and they're about human behavior and transformation and change and habits and all that stuff. But the vehicle of delivery had to change. Otherwise, I would be out of alignment and less fulfilled. I love that, that perspective, the vehicle of delivery. Because yeah, if, I feel like if so many of us dig into why we're doing what we're doing, that's probably going to be a consistent theme. Yes. But how we go about delivering that, that's exactly. what's going to switch up over time. I love that. Wow. Absolutely. Okay. Cool. Okay. So this is, this is where Tommy's at now. He's, he's doing all the coaching, all the speaking, all of the, all of this stuff. So my first big, big exposure to you, which um, I mentioned in that the email I sent you was the 1% rule. Um, and I feel like you've demonstrated this as you've kind of explained a bit of your, your personal journey. Um, and I love that book because that book's all about learning to enjoy the process, which yes. we mentioned, we're very achievement driven people. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I get very stuck in learning to enjoy the process. Um, so for you, how did you come to find the importance of learning to love that process, of having this 1% rule in your life? And how can a people apply that to theirs and some of the decisions that they're making and changing their path? Absolutely. Yeah. And it came really out of an obsession with outcomes in my own life. And listen, outcomes, outcomes are incredible and it's so important to have a vision. But I started to notice that, you know, these, these quote unquote mountaintop moments, they're very fleeting. Who we become in the process of getting to the next mountaintop or the next goal is where the gold is. I mean, that is where the transformation happens, right? Like in a marathon, a marathon is 26.2 miles. You know, you cross that finish line and it's 
it's like a five second experience and yeah, you have a high and, and that lasts the rest of the day. But the person you became that put in the training that didn't believe that they were able to do it, that hired the coach, even though it didn't make sense, that went through all that process and showed up on race day, even though you weren't a lot of sleep, like that person, that's, you're going to carry those, that person with you like the rest of your life. You know, those outcomes and the achievements, they're there, but they're not who you are. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it was just being in this space and seeing way too much of a focus on the mountaintop, which way too much of a focus on the end results. Mm-hmm. Really, you saw that a lot with fitness. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and, and in this space too, you know, helping entrepreneurs really break through and transform. And it's like, you're going to like, the process is what we have today. The pursuit mm-hmm. is what we have today. Right. And I noticed this conditional living. It's like, when I get that, then I'm going to allow myself to feel joy and freedom and abundance and bliss. And it's like, Time out. I'll be happy when syndrome. Yeah. Let's let's cut out the middleman. Why do we have to wait for something? Why don't we enjoy the process today, right? Create those feelings today. And then guess what? We're going to collapse the time to actually bring those to life. So the 1% rule specifically was designed to like ease some of that pressure off of those big outcomes. Because what happens when we set these huge visions? And I'm like, I'm huge. I, I set these, you know, I help my clients set these really big visions. But when they're so big, then what do we focus on? Well, how far I have to go? Look at this gap. Look at that person over there. They're like, they're already on the mountaintop. Why should I even bother getting started? Mm-hmm. So we place our awareness and our focus on the wrong places. So I love the focus on the vision because the what is important and so is the why. But then let's take a step back, all the way back to right here. What are the six inches in front of our face? And the six inches in front of our face is just that small 1% that we can do today. And 1% incrementally over the course of a year is going to be 3.65 times. So that's a pretty decent return if we just stay consistent every single day. But there's also the law of exponential growth, mm-hmm. which we can't necessarily control. What we can control is the inputs. And then with enough time, the compounding starts to happen. And when we do that, we can get 37 times growth. So I'm totally cool. If I just know that 1% today, like if mm-hmm. I just win the day, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and in my business, I know the results are going to come. And that's what I wanted to give people back the peace of mind and the freedom and get rid of some of that pressure because we're already really overwhelmed. we got a lot going on. Everybody's super busy. Let's lower that bar of winning the day and let's start to celebrate the wins in our life instead of focusing of, oh my God, how far do I have to go? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that because I have so many friends, clients, just people in my life. I've struggled with this as well, that the, the vision's wonderful but they struggle with delayed gratification. Yes. And I like that that makes it a very, very tangible thing for them. Like win the day. Like I, uh, I was talking to my friend, I did a podcast interview earlier today, uh, I was, uh, talking to her and we were talking about success and markers of success and definitions of success and how your definition of success could be very, very different than the goals that you've set that you eventually want to attain. Like I would love to be an Amazon bestselling author. I want to give a Ted talk. Like my big crazy goals. I want to share the stage with Brene Brown like, yeah. to the universe. <laughs> um, like, yeah. Like, but it's terrifying to think about how, how do I make that happen now? So like the game plan right now is TEDx in Seattle. The applications are open. So I have downloaded the template and I have started. <gasps> I love that. Right. So, okay. So this is a great example, right? I want to share a stage with Brene Brown. If we just focus on that now, it's, it's an incredible goal. I have no doubt it's going to happen, 
But if we just place our focus on that, then we place our focus on where we are today. And it's like, oh my God, that is so far away. And then she I just say, released a Netflix special today. Like, <laughs> oh, nice. Okay. I know holy what I'm doing. shit. <laughs> Friday night, it's going down. All right. That's awesome. But yeah, we're going to focus on the space between. But what you did is brilliant. You're focusing on, okay, what is something that's going to give evidence of that vision coming true and that it's possible. And you're just looking for something that's right. The, the TEDx thing. And we can all do this. You know, people will say, Tommy, how have you written three books? How are you so consistent with writing? And you know, one of my uh, big goals that's going to happen is to be a New York times bestselling author, uh, author. But if I start there, if I start there, then I focus on, okay, how far I have to go. And then I get out of what I can do today, which is what I can write a thousand words today. I can put everything into this blog post. I can deliver so much value into the content that I'm creating. I could, and you know, in this book, I can, I can be the best writer I can be for this book Mm -hmm. and that's all I can control. And then the next time it's just going to get a little bit deeper. So I love that. Keep it simple Uh and just find something that's going to show evidence of you bringing that vision to life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's really all about momentum. Like I feel like the, my, my friends and my clients and, and all the people that listen to this get sick of me saying that momentum is the secret sauce, but it really is like, what is the smallest daily minimum you can meet to move the goal forward and just start there, just build momentum in that way. And that's it. And the, the, the hardest part is what it's starting anything. The hardest part is starting with anything, even on a daily basis. It's like, for me as a writer, I've written a thousand words. Well, at least 500 words now for over eight years. Those first 250 words, I'm telling you, it's not good. They're clunky. They don't make sense. They're really bad. I'm facing resistance. What am I saying? Is it want to connect to this? Does that make any sense? Oh, I get to 500. I'm like, oh, it's actually, okay, this is getting better. I get to 750. I get to 1,000. Okay, now I'm in flow. Wow, today I did 3,500 words. But I set the bar really, really low of 500. If I set the bar at 3,500, I'm going to get so much more resistance. So I love that. Start small, identify mm-hmm. what winning the day looks like for you and your business and your life. And then let's celebrate those wins. Mm-hmm. Let's celebrate those wins. Every single night, what I do, and I've done this for years, is seven wins of the day. This podcast, Ooh, will, like be that. podcast will be on, on there later today. Just seven wins. And I'm telling you, even on the hardest days, even on the most challenging days, even on the days when it seems like nothing worked out for somebody listening, I know you can identify seven wins. I know you can identify a moment at the, at the grocery store where you held some space and gave a compliment or received the compliment, or you had that tough conversation or you encouraged somebody else or whatever it may be. Or maybe you did three minutes of meditation and you were beating yourself up because it was supposed to be 10, but Hey, at least you did three. And when we start to focus on what's working, then we get into what you said, which is momentum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I like, I love the examples that you just gave because I feel like that's what we do is we judge ourselves for not hitting the ideal bar yes. that we've set. You know, sometimes maybe your win is I got out of bed today. Yeah. Like maybe your win is I showed some love to my friend who shared something really vulnerable on social media. Like maybe that's part of your win. Like it doesn't have to be anything extravagant and it does not have to be like, my, my perfect morning is that I meditated 10 minutes and done blah, 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 blah. Like it does not have to be that complicated. I completely agree. And I love, I love that you said that we tend to complicate things. And when we complicate things, the chances of us actually doing them are much less likely. That's why I like the, I wrote the 1% rule. It's like, how can we make this so simple 
Mm-hmm. Because we've now, especially in the entrepreneurial space or stuff like that, we've now valued complexity. But the truth is simplicity has a lot more value. Mm-hmm. And so I'm always telling my clients, let's seek simplicity. How can we simplify that? Mm-hmm. Okay, you have this big vision. Okay, what can you do today? So you've identified, okay, you have TEDx talk. What are three things today that you could do towards that TEDx talk? You're going to do the proposal. You're going to do the pitch. Whatever that looks like. And let's simplify our goals down so we start accumulating momentum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so huge. And we, I feel like we undervalue simplicity sometimes, but it's, it's often the crux. It's the thing that we need. Absolutely. Ugh. I love, I love all of this. I love your message. I love how you go about encouraging people to make those incremental improvements in their life. Um, and we talked about like getting off the sidelines of our lives at the very, very beginning of this, which is so wonderful way to kind of almost come full circle, which not quite, we're not done yet. Um, (laughs) but like you, your whole thing is about resisting average and you just held up your book a little bit ago, which you guys can't see obviously, because you're just listening to us. (laughs) Um, uh, but that's obviously the message of your new book is how you can take, uh, that, that big leap into your dreams and, and leaning into the fear in your life to ultimately make that dream happen. So, You've talked a bit about how you leapt into yours, but how is this book kind of the next evolution for you? Absolutely. For yeah. And, and this book was born after, you know, it, it wasn't necessarily planned. It just so many conversations with people who they know they, 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 they're, they're no, they, they know they're meant for something bigger and bolder. They know they have a deeper desire. They know they're maybe on the wrong path. And then I would say, awesome. So what are you going to do about that? And they'd say, you know, Tommy, it's not the right time. It's not the right moment. I don't have enough money. I need another degree. I need another certification. You got to wait till I do this or do this. And, you know, the thing is that when we have clarity around something, the longer that we wait, the more time that we actually uh, let pass, the more the resistance and the fear is just going to find creative ways to stop us from doing so. So we can actually, I have no doubt that anybody listening, you have moments of clarity all the time. And again, they can come during the ordinary moments. They can come after a great workout or yoga session. They can come um, when you're traveling and the, and the plane levels out and you're like asking those questions about your life now that you can see some perspective down there. Um, or maybe you I listen to this. I but mine come in the shower all the time. <laughs> shower, yeah. Shower, so I get one of those post-it note things in the shower. They're so cool. Yeah. <laughs> but seriously, so these are or in the morning commute when you're on autopilot, but you're like actually thinking about your life we have these moments of clarity and in those specific moments, like if I just took a snapshot, that emotional state, I'm convinced that you have a hundred percent clarity and a hundred percent certainty in that moment. What happens after that is that we start to lose just a fraction of that belief and that certainty of actually bringing that to life. So the leap was really designed to help people, you know, just figure out what that is, get really clear and ultimately just give themselves permission to, to take a shot before they feel ready because here's, here's the, the newsflash. Here's the truth. You're never going to feel ready. Mm-hmm. But when you hop into it, when you step into the game, when you get off the sidelines, everything changes because your level of fulfillment is exponential. And I always say fulfillment attracts achievements and especially enduring achievement. But achievement, like we've discussed, doesn't attract fulfillment. And so, you know, this is for somebody who knows that there's something bigger for them. They may be on the wrong path. They may be like you who are like in the PhD program and they're chasing it, but deep down they know it's, that's not their end game. That's not for them. And I really wrote this because regret 
can be a very hollow feeling. We've all felt the, the great thing about regret is that we've all felt some of it, which means that we can, you know, we can let, use that as leverage to make bold decisions in the future. Um, so that's a big theme of the book of like, okay, seriously, like three, five, 10 years online. If you stay on the same path, if you didn't do that thing, if you didn't book that adventure, if you didn't launch the podcast, if you didn't write the book, if you didn't do the TEDx talk, what does that feel like? Right. And what can we do today to make a change towards that? And that's really the energy of the book. And the first line of the book is, is what are you waiting for? And when I sent it to my publisher, they said, Tommy, isn't that like a little intense? A little aggressive. <laughs> yeah. I said, it is, it is though, because, um, at least, you know, with the, with the stuff that I do, I really challenge people because I respect them. You know, mm-hmm. my, my friends that I have now, we're constantly challenging one another because we respect one another enough not to let one another off the hook. Now, do we support each other? Of course, tons. We're always lifting each other up, but we also challenge each other. Like, ah, you just said you're going to try to do that. You're actually going to do that. Wait, you said you have this, this big dream of doing this. What's the date that you're going to make that happen in? Or how can I support you? Or do you really think that's going to take six months? Mm-hmm. And that's the power of putting ourselves out there. When we put ourselves out there and we take a bold leap, our tribe just comes and finds us. Because they're also, guess what? They're in the game and they're in, they're playing in the arena and we all want to be surrounded by people who are playing that game. I'm grinning because I literally just had it pan out in my life just like that. Like two weeks ago, oh, to the day actually, um, I put out there into, into a meeting with my mastermind that I wanted to start speaking. Yes. The next day I went to an event and met a woman who's a speaking coach the TEDx speaking coach. And we got on a call the next day and she called me out on a lot of the language I was using around, I'm going to try to do this. It would be so nice to do a TED talk. And she was just like, honey, you have the opportunity right now. Like applications open, they open on the 15th. I love that. And our, and, and the reason why that's so powerful is because usually, you know, usually those words, they, they just pass, they just filter through. And our, our language really is a mirror of our deeply held beliefs and our commitment, mm-hmm. right? And so like one of the things that I do in my group programs is um, we have this thing that's called no weak language. So there's no try, there's no guessing, there's no we'll see, there's no maybe, there's no trying to figure it out, there's no possibly, there's no I guess. It's like, can we get a, a clear yes or a clear no and a clear commitment? And what that language does is what? It just empowers all of us and it gives us clarity and we get rid of assumptions and the space for resistance to come uh, find us. You know, with things like I'm going to try to do something, um, you know, I'm going to try to launch that podcast. Well, you already got one foot out. Mm-hmm. So the moment it gets hard, if you're going to try, the moment that it gets hard for you, the moment that you do yeah. your first rehearsal and it's like you hate how it came out and it came sore and you're like, how am I ever going to turn this into something? You know, the first draft of this book, like it was horrible, right? <laughs> but if I was trying, if I wasn't committed, then I would have just given up and I said, I don't know how I'm going to turn this into something that people are going to connect with. Mm-hmm. I want to share with somebody listening out there right? Let's, let's get rid of that trying. You're so much more powerful than trying and you're so much more committed than, than possibly. And someday is an illusion. How about we step into that right now? Oh, that's, that's so powerful. I feel like after this, I'm going to be so cognizant of my language, of the language I'm hearing my clients use of anybody. Cause I love that. No weak language. Oh, so good. You, so you've given people 
so much in this episode today. If you had to leave people with one big takeaway, one big piece of advice so that they could really leap into their dreams, they could really, you know, get firm and committed, no weak language, to what their next step is, to answer that question of what's next for them, what would you tell them? Yeah. So I would actually give them a a simple assignment and it would be to, and depends when you're listening to this, but pull out a journal and take yourself to a year down the line. It's a year down the line and you wake up in April or May of 2020 and it was the best year of your life. It was the year that you did that thing. It was the year that you made that bold decision. It was the year that you put yourself on the line and you're going to identify what that bold decision was that led to that transformation And then you're also, so again, living in that one-year version of yourself, like take yourself to that person, right? So you're going to identify what the bold decision was and don't try to figure out the how. This is not about that. This is give yourself permission to be big and bold. Like I want it to be audacious. It should scare you. Mm -hmm. And then- You should be embarrassed about telling people this. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then the second thing is looking back, acting as if you've created that and accomplished that what are some words of wisdom that you would give the prior, the today's version of yourself around that bold decision? And when you do that, we can use our innate wisdom that's inside, right? By using our imagination to bring it down to today and do something that's difficult today, do something that's uncomfortable today, but know that our future version of ourselves, they're saying, you know what? You got this. You're going to make it happen. And here's how. Mm-hmm. And that would be an action step that I would give somebody. And if you do this with intention, because I've done this so many times, there's no way you can't feel a little bit more confident, a little bit more capable, a little bit more inspired about where you're going. Oh my God. I love that. I feel like I'm going to get off this call and immediately <laughs> sit down and do yeah. that. But obviously, if you're listening to this in your car, please wait until you're parked <laughs> at a desk. Like, Don't do that in your car. Please and thank yeah, you. Yeah, do this with intention. So if you listen to this, come back tonight, set mm-hmm. the environment up. I always say with all this personal growth and action steps, the intention matters so much. Mm-hmm. Put on some music that's going to inspire you. Light a candle, whatever it is that you got to do, but actually take yourself mentally to that place. Mm-hmm. The wisdom that you're going to give yourself and the clarity around the decision can be life-changing if you let them. So good. And I have one like thing that you've done throughout this, this podcast today is telling people to tap into themselves. Like you have the wisdom and that's powerful. That in and of itself is, is a powerful takeaway because so often we're looking outside of us. Like, and Mm -hmm. I'm a, like, I'm a coach. Like, don't get me wrong. We're both coaches. Like we, we want to work with people, but realize that so much of what you need and so much of the wisdom and direction that you're looking outside of yourself to find it's in you. Exactly. And us as coaches, what we do is we just facilitate that wisdom to come up with, with clarity and with breakthrough and then put it into life and make sure that none of the BS gets in the way, the parts that aren't really us, the fears and the doubts and insecurities and all that stuff that doesn't get in the way of that. Yeah. And so that, that becomes a beautiful process. You know, for me, I always say, you know, I'm going to facilitate the answers that you already have. Yeah. Right. But they're ultimately yours. Why? Because you have to take ownership of them Mm -hmm. because if they're mine and I I give them to you and I just, I just give them to you from me, they didn't come from you. Then that's not real ownership. So I absolutely agree. We already have so much wisdom, Mm -hmm. right? Let's, let's, let's give ourselves permission to let that out. It's like coaching inception. Like we, we are, you're giving yourself the own, your own idea. 
Exactly. I love that. (laughs) Oh, so good. Thank you so much for all of this stuff today. I've got a couple wrap up questions. Um, one is super, super straightforward. Um, but the first one is I love giving people, I'm obviously a, a big personal growth junkie. I love giving people tools and, and my favorite books and stuff like that. So do you have any favorite books of the moment that you would highly recommend to uh, the people listening today, you probably have like a bajillion, but I do, I do. I always get so, and also I've been like so swirled in this, in this book launch. Um, one of my favorites is a simple one um, by Seth Godin. It's called the dip and it's, a, his books are really short. They're like, you can read them in an afternoon, but the dip is about that. When the high of starting out starts to wear off, what do you do after that? And what are some of the mindsets and techniques they're going to, what, what he says is like that you want to put yourself in a energy of being the best in the world at what you do to get to the other side of the dip. Um, and it's just a really, for me, I read it like every quarter or so just to remind myself of what matters. So that's one of my favorites. Anything by Seth Godin is, is fantastic. Um, and, uh, and there's so many other books, but I'll, I'll keep it simple with that. Okay. But I like that. And I like that it's something that they can, they can read and absorb in a, in a short amount of time. I have a tendency yeah. to recommend long books. Sorry guys. I know. Uh, <laughs> I love that. Okay. And then last but not least, uh, people are loving your vibe and your energy. Um, where can people find you? And then obviously this is an opportunity to shameless promotion for your book that you have. Coming. Love it. Love it's it. So out. if any of this, yeah, out, it's out. Yeah. A couple of weeks, <laughs> been out for a few weeks now, but, um, it's called the leap of your life, how to redefine risk, quit waiting for someday and live boldly. Um, and it's out. If any of this connected with you, I really jammed in 10 years of my experience um, doing my own transformation and then helping others um, in one book. And people are reading the intro and saying, Tommy, I'm in tears reading the intro. Tommy, I'm grasping the Kindle so hard because it's making me emotional. It's creating urgency. And that's what I wanted as a, as a writer. You never know how people are going to connect with stuff. But um, So that's at leapofyourlife.com. And you can go to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, anywhere else. And if you love podcasts, which you do because you're here, I have this Average Academy podcast where we have deep conversations like this uh, from all areas of life to really um, help you maximize uh, your clarity and create breakthroughs so you can apply that in your life. Love it. Show notes, everybody. I'll link all of this for you. So it's super easy to find. Tommy, thank you so much for everything today. This was wonderful. Uh, All of the insight, all of the kernels of wisdom. I really, really appreciate it right back to you and just you launching this platform as you taking the leap and i'm very excited to see the tedx uh, talk so i can't wait to see it (laughs) cross my fingers (laughs) before you go one last thing i just want to say thank you thank you so much for listening to this episode of the growth tribe and thank you so much for your support If you've been enjoying what you're hearing and you want to help me and all of our wonderful guests get their message out, there are a few things you could do. You could send an episode that you really loved to a friend that you really think would appreciate it. You could subscribe and give us a five-star review on iTunes, or you could take a screenshot and post it in your Instagram or Facebook stories. I love stories and I would love nothing more than the opportunity to shout you out and send you a massive thank you. Once again, thank you so much for listening and thank you for being a part of the Growth Tribe.